I just want to go right into your word. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it. And uh, if not, you can look to the screen. I want to read this verse, and I want to springboard from the verse we preached on last week. It's in the book of James, chapter 5. And we can look there now, James 5, verse 17. As Christians, I want to say again, as I started preaching last week, we need to be supernatural human beings. We are called. We've been separated. We are meant to be supernatural beings. Did you know that? Did you know you were not meant to just be human? That was not your original design. Sin got in the way, and you were born through a seed of sin. Even though we don't fully understand all of that and how it works, we know that we were born with a sin nature. I've said a million times that you don't have to teach a baby to sin. Babies are born with a nature that is selfish and that is deceitful and that lies, etc., right? And then if you don't deal with the Lord, you grow up to be an adult that is still that same selfish, lying individual, right? So we know that we are born with a human sin nature, but that was not God's design. God did not make you with a sin nature. That was because they took of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and their eyes were open to something that God never even intended for us to even be aware of. We were intended to walk with God in glory with God, uh, to have all, really, and it's shocking, but all of God's abilities, God in heaven, all of his ability, all of his nature, he made a carbon copy. Now, it doesn't mean that you are greater than God. You can't call yourself God. He is God still. He still stayed God, but you were his image on this earth, and you were meant to subdue the earth. You were meant to multiply on the earth God's image. Sin got in the way, as we know, in the book of Genesis, and a separation began to happen between us and God, a rift between the original design of you on this earth, which is a reflection of God in heaven on the earth. Amen. But we today are without excuse. Say, I'm without excuse. We are without excuse to be living in our human nature, in our sin nature. Just because you were born from your mommy and your daddy that gave you that sin nature, and their mommy and daddy gave it to them, and their mommy and daddy gave it to them, and all the way back, we have been relieved of that burden. Amen. Jesus paid an immense price. It's so unbelievable, so unconceivable that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians, you're going to need to get a revelation to understand it. And even when you've had a revelation to understand his love, you still don't get it. You're going to need constant revelations upon revelations upon revelations until eternity. You won't even fully understand his love and his grace and his mercy and the price he paid on that cross until we go into eternity with him. 
Your human nature can be subdued. It can become uh, submitted to your spirit. But even just because you are in this human body, there's uh, only so much revelation. Eventually, we'll be able to see, like the Bible says, right now we see in part. We see through glass darkly or through shaded glass, right? But one day we're going to see him with open fully, 100%, no prophetic needed in between, no words in between, no Bible in between, because the Word will be there with you, standing there with you, uh, and, and, and you will be in Him, and Him and you, in the fullness of what He desired from the beginning of time. Everybody say, but in the meantime... In the meantime, we're here, and you are in a human body. I don't need to teach you that. You are in a human body. We are human. And we looked at this verse last week that even though we're human, and even though we're fully aware of our human nature, even when we've been saved for many, many years, your human nature is not far away, is it? It doesn't have to rule. That is a lie from the pit of hell, and I've preached those sermons before, and there are scriptures that make that clear. I'm not going to go there today, but uh, it's a lie from the pit of hell that you can't help it. And then you don't have a choice. You do have a choice, and you can help it. Now, we have the grace of Jesus Christ every single time you fail. Thank you, Lord, because you do fail, and you will fail. But... You are making a choice, willingly. Every single time you sin, you are choosing to listen to your sin nature versus the Spirit of God. That's the fact. Don't be condemned. Just move on. And you fall again, you get up again, and you move on. Don't be condemned. Get up and just keep moving and keep moving and keep moving and don't stop. Right? Like Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Otherwise, if you stop, where are you going to be? Right? We need to get through hell. <laughs> we need to get through it. Right? Amen. So, but this is the reality of the Bible. This is the reality of a Christian. That even though we are human, we have the Spirit of the Lord in us if you have received Jesus Christ. And it says Elijah was as human as we are. And we looked at it in the Amplified last week, just talking about the same nature and the same impulses and etc. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And we know then he prays again and it rains. He was human and yet because... He listened to the Lord. He had the will of the Lord and got so close to God. Eventually, Elijah doesn't even have to die. It's time to go home. We're just going to skip death for you and just take some home. Rides a chariot of fire up to heaven. That's attainable for you. You know why? Because it's in the book of James. If it was just meant to be an Old Testament story, then it, that's what it would be. And it's here in the book of James, in the New Testament. God made sure it was written down a second time just so you didn't think, well, that was him and this is me. 
The story got written again so that you would understand today that I am human. And it looks like Elijah was human. And yet when he did what God asked him to do, God moved powerfully through him, through prayer, through his mouth. Come on, it's not just that he prayed, it's that the will of God, this is where I'm going to start to expound, he already had the will of God in his heart. He didn't go pray and ask God, is it your will that it should rain or not? He already knew God. Come on, we're supposed to walk in a place. It says that Jesus only did what the Father told him to do, right? Or the Spirit led, depending on the verse. He only said what he was told to say. He didn't even have to ask. It doesn't say that. I'm reading between the lines, okay? So you can debate me on that. I like to tell you that when I'm not quoting a verse. It doesn't say he didn't have to ask, but I don't think he had to ask. I think he just knew what the will of the Lord was because he was that close to him, because he had no other opinions. He wasn't wrestling with God for his will and God's will, right? We see finally the wrestle comes at the cross, and he deals with it pretty quickly. We know it was quick because he tells them that they were asleep for an hour, so within one hour he had already settled it. Couldn't pray with me one hour, he says to them, so we know it was pretty quick that he had settled it with God. The only wrestle really... <clears throat> that the Bible accounts. We need to live as supernatural Christians. The entire word of God contains ordinary, everybody say ordinary. She got me a water, thank you. Ordinary men and women who walked in the supernatural. The word of God contains ordinary men and women who believed God, trusted God, stood with God, prayed for God, prayed his will out onto the earth, prophesied his will on, onto the earth, fought battles that God said to fight, stood when he told them to stand. They stood with the Lord, and it was a supernatural lifestyle. We cannot, as Christians, afford with all that Jesus did for us and with having the Holy Spirit inside of us to not be living a supernatural life. The devil's trying to trap you and keep you human. You're trying to trap you and make you feel a certain way and think a certain way and get trapped in, well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. That is so human. I don't like this. I don't like that. They preach too long. They preach too short. Music's too fast. Music's too slow. It's too loud. It's do I need to go on? <laughs> trying to get you human Come on, and that just church life, I'm talking everyday living. Every single day, we should be walking in the supernatural. Because my Bible was filled with men and women who walked in the supernatural. And to be honest, 80% of that big fat book is without the Holy Spirit inside them. I said that last week, and it needs to be said again. They had the Holy Spirit. It's undeniable that he's in there. He's right in Genesis. It says the Spirit hovered upon the waters. I mean, he's in it. And then he's in the uh, ark with Noah, right? We see the dove 
That's the symbol of the Holy Spirit was with them. He actually rode in the ark with them and then went back into the earth. He, came, he hovered above the waters to protect it, and then he had to remove his protection for some time. Goes into the ark, comes back out. So the Holy Spirit was in the whole uh, word, and yet something supernatural began to happen in the New Testament. Jesus even said to us, to us today, right? He said to them, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he'll be in you. And when he said he'll be in you, he's speaking to us as well. Because he's speaking present tense and, and, and future tense. We're the future tense. In fact, it says that they received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, but then Peter's preaching a sermon and he's shocked. I think it's Cornelius, right? Cornelius' house. He's just preaching, and the Holy Spirit falls on them and then has to go back and testify that the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. And he, this was a new revelation. Wow, okay, this, I guess the Lord's beginning to do something new, and they had to figure that out. And then, obviously, we have the rest of the New Testament written there to mostly Gentiles. But the Holy Spirit... Once he came inside of a person, they became as close as we're going to possibly get. We're still in a mortal body, so we're not quite there. But we are so close to what the original design from God was. Which is, the Bible says that he took the clay and then he breathed his spirit into that clay. And so you are from that same clay, that did not change, and he has breathed his Holy Spirit upon you again. The only difference is that that clay is going to go into the ground, and the Lord's going to make a brand new one. Most of you here are thankful for that. In my late 30s, now I'm starting to get thankful for that too. Hips and knees. Chiropractor said, well, you've been abusive to your body. He used your, it's not a, he said it's not about age, it's about mileage. <laughs> and I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get thankful ahead of time. I'm like, Lord, I'm looking forward to that. Already, my mind wants to do more than my body's willing to do. <laughs> Happens fast, they say, and I'm, I'm learning it, I'm living it. Amen. God is good, isn't he? I just want to preach this word, so let me, I better keep moving here. These people, they responded to God's offer. I said they responded to God's offer. And many of them, they left everything. They left heritage. They left jobs. They, they, were, they, for, they were forced to trust God. They were commissioned by God. And these natural human beings did supernatural things. These natural human beings lived in the supernatural. One of the closest, there's many, many, many pillars of our word, right? We love all the pillars. The pillars are the greats, the men and women of our Bible that we still read about today and we learn from their stories over and over again. And one of the closest people to walking with the Holy Spirit, Old Testament, like Elijah, was David. And I just felt compelled with, with this to read about David today. Are we okay, everybody? All right, for the next few minutes. We're just going to look at his life and 
I started giving you a list of some things uh, just to be steady, uh, that we need to be pure, we need to keep our faith in God, that we need to keep on praying, and we do all of that to get to this place of rest. But then in that place of rest, in that place, it's not a lazy rest. It's just a trusting in God. It's actually busier <laughs> in your spirit than it was before, and yet you're resting, right? I can only describe that to you supernaturally. I can't give you human words to describe a supernatural rest. But finally, what begins to happen is, and this is, this is where God is bringing us to, is that there was a call upon your life, every single Christian, every single person that is a Christian was given a call from the Lord, a supernatural, a life that is bigger and beyond what you could ever accomplish with your strength, with your abilities, with your wisdom, with your natural intellect. And yet, your life is a part of that. He knows who you are. He knows the things that you were going to do, both evil and good. And he works all those things and weaves together this person that in the natural, you can kind of see, okay, I could kind of see that that's who they were. They like to help people. They always just love to help people. And now they're a minister. So that kind of makes sense. It's just part of their fabric. But yet when they walk into their call, it's so bigger and above and beyond that, you know, that the world may not know, but the friends and family are like, who is this? Who is that person? I know what they used to do. I know how they used to talk. They had a good heart, but they were a bad person. <laughs> and now look at their life. And that's what begins to happen when we get to this place with the Lord where we have this honeymoon with him and we're just in love with him. And he has shown us again that, wow, we don't have to live in bondage and in the burden and and we're freed from our sin, and that's amazing. And you have to go through all those stages with the Lord, but then he begins to do something else in you, right? If you're a real deal believer, something starts to burn in your gut. It says, like, uh, 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 like Ezekiel, uh, I feel like fire in my bones. I got to let something out of me. I just can't hold it any longer. There's something starting to happen inside me. Come on, and if you have been seeking the Lord, that should be, getting, that should be happening in you. And don't, again, I've said many times, I need to give you a two-second disclosure. Don't look to your left and to your right. Don't look at each other, because it's not what they're doing. You need to attain to that. And don't think you're better than the one who looks like they're doing less than you. You just need to do what the Lord has put inside you to do. And if we all just do that, then one person will be the big toe, and one person is the little tiny cell inside of the person that doesn't seem like it matters, but that cell is holding everything else all together, right? So you just need to be who you are. That's your disclosure. But the Lord is calling this church. He's calling this church out. He's reminding us that although you're human and you've been human and you've been, you can live as a Christian humanly uh, to an extent, you're going to end up being frustrated most of the time, but you can do it. You can go to heaven and live humanly and call on Christ, but every time you hit a wall or a stumbling block, what do we do? We get frustrated and flustered because we're trying to do it humanly instead of doing it supernaturally. And doing it supernaturally does not mean easy. 
We have a rule at work. When we pull up to a job, you do not say the word easy. If you say that word, what happens? Come on, all you workers in here. Everybody knows. Everybody's nodding to me. You know. I don't know how it works. My son, Aaron, asked me, how come Murphy's Law? He was describing Murphy's Law without knowing the name. But he's, I told him, I said, it, there's actually a name for that. How come? Why does it work like that? I said, I don't know. I just know it does. And you just don't say easy. It's not easy, but yet the supernatural will help you to do what you could not do. And I've said it before, I, I believe you even have to hit a brick wall in some ways in your Christianity so that you have to believe God beyond your own strength. It, it does two things. Number one is it solidifies that God is God and that you are man. And that then you really recognize who he is and what he's done in you and what he's doing through you. And two, the second thing is that other people will then see his glory, right? Because they're not going to see you, right? So we need to let that happen. And I said I'm going to try to get to David, and I'm trying. I'm getting there. This was not just meaningless intro. The Holy Spirit was speaking there. So just let that sink in. And uh, I'll just read. We'll just get into what we can, and then I'll look into more next week. Uh, I just want to start... Again, that was not intro. That was the sermon. But let's just keep looking further. Come on, let's go another level. We're just going to turn the page, right? This is our math book, and that wasn't intro. That was just page one. Let's look at page two. We're going to build on that, okay? Page two, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. This has to be said. If you're going to talk about David, you have to go to this verse, and you've got to start here. Because it says that the Lord sought, everybody say, the Lord sought out a man after his own heart. That's all that God wants. I've heard it all, guys. We've been around, if you've been around Christianity, you've been around the church for a long time, maybe you're new to it, but I've heard every single sect of Christianity, every sermon, I've heard it all. And some people just try to would say that, you know, David... It's just who he is. Jesus had to come through him. David didn't have a choice. You know, it just had to be. And I just don't believe that. I don't see that in my Bible. I see that God knows who you are, and he knows your faults before you're going to make them. Uh, and he knows that, that you're going to make the right choices in the end. But I don't think you're without choice. I think that's ridiculous, in fact. I think that's total heresy, and I think it gives people a license just to not care because God's going to just do it. It's all God anyway. And I just think that that's ridiculous. So I need to say that because this is the thing. God went and looked for a man. God went and sought out a man. And it was hard to find because there's not a lot of people after God's heart, is there? Proportionally, you know, uh, it's sad, but this is a true statistic that Christianity is dying. Statistically, mathematically, it's not hard to figure out. There are less Christians that should be being born from Christian parents. I'm talking not just physical parents, but I mean us as Christians producing more Christians. We are not making enough. You give it enough time. There won't be enough time. We'll be in eternity. But if you gave it enough time, statistically, at the pace that we're going, that will disappear. That's not a good thing. And that's proof that just like then, God had to go find someone after his own heart. I think that this verse, you have to start here. David had the right heart. Everybody say, David had the right heart. And that's a choice you have to make. 
You have to choose to be a good man or a good woman. You have to choose that. I'm not saying you will be good. <laughs> Jesus already said it. But there's a heart that wants to please God. Out of that heart, then God actually can work with it, and he'll actually make you good in his eyes. You can't make yourself good, but there's got to be a heart that wants to respond to Jesus. He doesn't force anybody into eternity. Sometimes we wish he did. I mean, I do for those that are unsaved. I wish that God would force them to get saved because I don't want them to go to hell. He doesn't, though. He doesn't. So it needs to be said that it's the right heart the Lord's looking for. And, and you can have the right heart right here today. It doesn't even matter how long you've been saved. You can actually straighten things in that heart today, right now. And just say, Lord, it's so simple. Lord, take the things out of my heart that are restricting you from using me. Not that he doesn't love you. That's ridiculous to debate his love. He loved you so much that while you were still sinners, right, he was already on the cross. He's on the cross 2,000 years before you sinned. So it's not about love, but there's, uh, there is a blockade many times, and it's our stubborn, hard hearts. That's, in, that's a big theme in our Bible, isn't it? And so uh, we move into 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Are we doing okay? It says, So now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. It says, I've rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. This is significant, and the reason you need to start right here is God is God, and God knows all. Everybody say, God knows all. Samuel was a prophet. Everybody say, Samuel was a prophet. He knows what God tells him. Don't you think that God could have said, go find the youngest, most insignificant of this family. His name is David. But instead, he tells him, I want you to go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse. Why does he do that? I think it's significant because he's going to paint a picture for us, even today, in 2020, that we can still find relevant today, and we're going to find it. Even Samuel, even Samuel, who was the Lord's prophet, who knew God, who walked with God, who dealt with this time of Saul strategically and, 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 and really, and had to mourn through it and still kept himself pure and right, um, and was raised in Eli's house, even he... Uh, sees things through human eyes, and that's what we're going to look here. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 3, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. And don't you think God could have brought David first? But he doesn't. Verse 5, it says, yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. He tells him, purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And in verse 6, it says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, or Eliab, or however you say his name, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now, when you read the Old Testament as a New Testament, post the cross, post the blood of Christ, post the Holy Spirit Christian, you have to look at the verses a little bit differently. Because New Testament, this is not Christian and Christian here. This is the same family as Christians. 
if you are in the Lord, you are anointed. I've preached on that before. I could spend three hours and prove to you exactly that, that when you have received the Holy Spirit, if you will let him be the Holy Spirit, it has nothing to do with you anyway. You're just the conduit for him to move through. You are anointed. So when we see this, it's not God picking and choosing in the church. I've heard it preached, and I think that's heretical. He doesn't pick and choose in the church of who's anointed and who's not. That's ridiculous. He does pick out of the world, though. He will pick out of the world those that have the heart that says, I want you. And then there will be those in the world who do not want God. We have to look at the story that way. Does that make sense? Another little disclosure. Because otherwise, I've heard it, look, you know, well, I'm anointed, you're not. You're just a Christian. I'm the Lord's anointed. I'm special. You serve me. I don't do anything for you. Amen. I'm going to leave that there. We've all been there. So, uh, but that's, that is not the truth. The truth is that the Lord uh, anoints every single believer. I've anointed you to preach the good news, right? That's what he said to Jesus, and that's what we do. Preach the good news, then we're anointed. So, verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge. That's the point of what I want to preach here. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So here's the thing. Say, I'm a human. I'm a human. Say it again, because, you know, let's just, we know that. But thank God. Come on, say it out loud with me. But thank God the Lord looks past my humanity at my heart that was willing to say yes to Jesus and to receive all that he has for me and to walk in his promises and to live my life selflessly for his glory. Amen? The Lord looks at the heart. That's it. It's so simple. That's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees missed Jesus. Because by appearance, they were the ones that should have been... Uh, well, Jesus tells them, not only should you look like... <laughs> Not only did, I mean, they had the appearance, but not only do you look like Pharisees, you know, you look like the religious, but in your hearts, there's evil. Oh, I didn't phrase that right, but I think you guys got what I was saying. I'm trying to get the words out. But he says, you should have been waiting for me. You should know. You don't know this. He tells them all the time. You don't know this. You don't, because on the surface, these guys were human all the way through. These guys were human. In fact, we can prove it because this is crazy, but it's shocking to me every time I read the verse, even though we know it. It says that they crucified Jesus, right? Okay. They saw his miracles. They literally saw in front of him a man, a man, a man, a man, a man miraculously changed right in front of them. And their debate is, you know, well, we don't know who, you know, who you are and, and who's your parents, you know, other debates, who's your parents, well, who sinned and, 
and it's constant debate. It's so human. And it says that even though they saw all of those things happen, that they crucified Jesus because of jealousy and envy. You know where jealousy and envy live? You know where they live? In the heart. <laughs> In the heart. It'll have to be another time, but we can see the jealousies and envies against David his whole entire life, even his own brothers in this very same chapter. That's why the Lord looked past him. It's about this heart right here. You need to understand something. Even though you're human, if you can surrender this heart to him, and you can just recognize that he's God just so, and I, we're going to have to look at it next week, Like, but David lives this way. We're going to look at Goliath next week. thought I'd be looking at that today. We'll look at it next week, otherwise it would be way too long. But he lives so, so much like we should be living. He knew who his God was, and he knew who men were. <laughs> and he kept those two things separate. He made many mistakes, but every single time he makes a mistake, David versus Saul right? Repents because his heart was right. I've said it before, if we were the counsel that were to judge David today, he would already be, he would be kicked out of the church. You're not only never welcome back in our church, we don't think you should ever preach anywhere, ever, and you certainly uh, shouldn't even be calling yourself a Christian in public if it were up to us. But the Lord looks beyond the human, and he looks at a heart that's towards God. A heart after God that allows, this is what David did. He lived a life that allowed the supernatural to work through him. And you know what? That heart, if the heart thinks that I'm going to do it, the supernatural, I said it during prayer as we were uh, beginning the service, Jesus went to his hometown, place or regions that they knew him, and they would argue with him again. Now, not just the Pharisees and Sadducees, I mean the people that that should have been welcoming him, family and friends and people that knew him, and it's like, who are you? Aren't you Joseph's son? And because of their lack of faith, he couldn't even do miracles. It's all about this heart, and the Lord wants to get to us, and I will get more into it next week, that your humanity does not have to rule. And if you can get it to that place, it's so simple, where we just recognize that God is God. And once you do that, if God is God, then what is his word? Because you get to, you get to that place where God is God, then his word, you trust it so, and he does, you just end up trusting it blindly even. You have to get to the place where if God says, and he's not going to tell you this, disclosure, podcast, God did not say this to you. I'm not responsible. But if he said to you, walk off that cliff, you do it. Without debate. Because he said it. And that's really how David lived. If God said it, he believed it. 
and he did it, and he lived fearlessly. And even though he was, un it should be a verse in James that says, even though, and with a huge list of men and women, even though they were human, they lived in the supernatural. And when they trusted God, when they prayed, when they stepped on those battlefields, etc., supernatural things began to happen through them. TJ said it over the summer, working with me, or maybe it was last summer, my time is is uh, all over the place there. I'm terrible with that. But he said to me, when I read the Bible, it's a supernatural book of supernatural events happening, right, through people. The whole thing is supernatural. So to try to do this Christianity thing without supernatural, it's not weird. The, what the devil did successfully is he made Christianity, he made the supernatural weird on purpose, took it to extremes, so that now we just throw the whole thing out. Anything supernatural gets thrown out, baby with the bathwater. Throw out the dirty bathwater, we are just talking about this this week, but there is a baby in there. The supernatural part of God, the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit in a service, but not just in a service, not trapped in these walls, but in you and through you when you are out and about is Christianity. That's not another level. There's not like baby Christian and then super Christian. There's Christian. There's believers. Sure, works will increase, but not because the Holy Spirit suddenly is more powerful, but because your heart lets him have control. You start abandoning less and less, and, and we're going to look at that. Amen. So we just thank you, God. We just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You're so amazing. And we just thank you, Lord, for what you did in this service today. I believe, Lord, there's already miracles happening in this service. There's already miracles happening in bodies, and we just believe it. Lord, how, how Lord, uh, grievous to you, Holy Spirit. You, you warned us not to grieve you. How grievous to not expect you to be moving in this service, to just come and, and, and read a book. But, Lord, that is your breathed living word. And it's still alive. And you are alive, Jesus. You're in this room with us. And I pray for those in these seats, but in this church, wherever they are right now, Lord, we just pray for a miracle. Some need it in their minds, dealing with bondage and depression and burdens. And we just pray those, those things, those chains of depression are just broken in Jesus' name. And some are just down in their spirit. They've just been knocked too many times, and they're trying, but they just can't seem to get up. And I just pray for a new strength. Thank you, Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Thank you, Lord God. We just pray supernaturally for that strength. And we just pray, Lord, for bodies, physical bodies with ailments and with sicknesses and with joints and with nerves and organs and eyes and and even brain, Lord God, stuff. We just pray in the name of Jesus from head to toe, that physical body must submit to that name of Jesus. It must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord, in advance for healings in this church, Lord. And even as we go out from this church in this valley, Lord, through us, Lord, by your spirit, through your power in us, we just thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.